Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, I get the chance to talk with Evan Foster, the Chief Operations Officer of Lending Pond. Lending Pond is a relatively new Cardano DeFi platform where users can use their NFTs to collateralize loans or where users can provide ADA loans to other users. Without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, Evan. It's nice to have you on the show and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and answer a few questions about the work you've been doing with Lending Pond. Super happy to be here. Thanks for inviting us on to here and I'm excited to share a little bit more about Lending Pond. Of course, and we're excited to have you here. So, of course, there are a couple of questions I always begin with. First, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what drew you to crypto and Cardano in general? Yeah, totally. So, my name is Evan Foster. Um, I go by Nalu Kicks throughout um, Twitter and the rest of the crypto community. And as for what drew me into crypto and Cardano, I was always in traditional finance, so like stocks and my parents do a bit of real estate to help pay for school. And my friend, Stockpicka, who is another co-founder of Lending Pond, was like, Evan, you have to get into cryptocurrency. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, it's too volatile. I like my steady returns on my stocks, but like, thank you. And then he came back six weeks later. I was like, okay, forget cryptocurrency. You just have to do NFTs. And I'm like, okay, you're going crazy, man. But here I am <laughs> creating a platform that allows people to take loans of thousands of ADA on NFTs. So I've come a long way and I'm happy to share with everyone. It is a bit hard from time to time. Like I remember jumping into crypto as well and the volatility can be off-putting, but then you're easily able to translate because in essence, a lot of them act very similarly as investment vehicles, just with additional utility. So it, yeah. it, is, it seems odd or counterintuitive, like, oh, it's going to be difficult because it's something completely new, but it's kind of the same old, same old, just a different reskinning per se. Exactly. Yeah. It's just... It's only for people who are able to be uncomfortable for a little, for a small amount of time. And for the people that are able to do that, they're able to reap the rewards. And for, their, for the people who aren't, well, we don't want them anyway. So, Well, yeah, just then sticking with stock, it's always sticking with your, your risk tolerance, of course. But you did give a little bit into what Lending Pond is, but could you give us a quick rundown or a detailed rundown, if you will, of what Lending Pond is? Totally. So Lending Pond is Cardano's first smart contracts-based peer-to-peer borrowing and lending platform that currently allows NFTs to be used as collateral. So in the traditional world of finance, if anybody wants to take a loan, you have to have some form of collateral. And it's basically what backs the loan and gives the lender, the person who's giving you money, equity and a sense of stability. So in this case, Lending Pond allows you to take your NFTs. For example, if I have a space bud that is worth 10,000 ADA, I could sell it for 10,000 ADA, but I would lose that forever unless I wanted to buy it back, right? But in the case of Lending Pond, if I have a 10,000 ADA space bud, I could ask for a loan for maybe 6,000 ADA. And if I pay it, if I pay it back at plus the interest over the period of time of the loan, I get my NFT back and I can do it over and over. So it allows people to leverage the liquidity in their NFTs 
um, multiple times instead of a one-time sale. So I know I've been looking forward to a platform doing this because for the longest time I went, okay, we've got the ADA already. We've got the NFTs. At what point will somebody allow for, because a lot of people, as you said, use them as investment vehicles. Like there's 10,000. It's like, okay, so similar to a cryptocurrency, they're tokens. Similar to a cryptocurrency, there's, or most cryptocurrencies, there's a limited supply. And there's additional details about it, similar to like if one were collecting, for example, cars of a limited quantity, that it makes it so that, oh, this could be an investment vehicle. I was wondering at what point we'd start seeing other financial aspects coming into this investment vehicle. So I guess I have to ask, who brought the idea about for building this? Yeah, so it was initially Stockpicker's idea. Um, we all, it was it was always something that we included in acronym DAO that made our DAO unique because it was if you need a loan um, on your NFT, go to acronym DAO. And um, it was Stockpicker's idea. Um, we implemented it, marketed it, and eventually when V2 comes out in approximately four weeks, it's not going to be just NFTs though. It's going to be you're going to be able to leverage your Pavia tokens or your um, Sunday swap tokens. And basically any token, you'll be able to get ADA or when the dread comes out, you can get stable coins. Awesome. So you'll be able to take, as you said, lending ponds, main, if not only functionality of loans. So being able to collateralize a loan with X, X being at this point only NFTs, but in the future, it could be NFTs and FTs or fungible tokens, like, for example, using ADA to collateralize a loan for Digid or a stable coin, for example, or being able to take MELD and facilitate a loan, collateralized loan for ADA. Exactly. Yeah. So we eventually our end goal is to be able to take any Cardano native asset and to allow people to leverage liquidity in it. So um, that's why version two is going to include a lot of stuff like bundles. So you can accumulate um, a large amount of equity in a single loan rather than doing it through multiple small loans and having the hassle of paying them all back individually. And we're also going to allow people currently, the way that the model works is that borrowers set the parameters. So they have the NFT and they list it. They ask for um, a certain interest rate. They ask for certain duration and an amount of ADA that they want for the loan. And now the lenders can either see it and they can choose to accept or not to accept. It's just like a little, not necessarily formally structured protocol, but we have a channel in our Discord called Counter Offers where basically lenders can take screenshots of the listing and be like, okay, whoever owns this listing, if you lower the price, if you lower the amount of interest or increase the interest or lower the duration, we can give you the loan. But in version two, that's going to be built directly into the smart contracts. So within the platform itself, the borrower will be able to receive a notification that they received a counter offer and it can be, it will adjust the listing and they can, it's always up to the borrower to choose whether or not to accept the loan or not, but it's just added functionality. Oh yeah. And that makes sense. And I like that you've been looking into that because I know it couldn't be the other way around, at least on the first go around, because for example, with the amount of so you've got NFTs, they've got metadata, and typically in that metadata, it's like they've got this asset or this part to this one. For example, you can look at space buds and they've got, oh, they've got a like space gun or they've got a sword or they've got nothing in their hand. Are they a tiger? Are they a panda? Things of that nature. 
And that can actually determine the community's idea of value on that NFT. So it would be really hard to go, I'm willing to give a loan for this NFT. Well, there's only one of those. So that means it requires that exact user to see your posting for that loan and then to accept it. So it makes sense that it would have to be the way that you guys did it. And I like that you're looking into, I think OpenSeas has something similar, don't they? To where if you want to buy an NFT, you can give a counter offer and say, here, I'll give it for this much. For example, if you change the percentage of royalties you'll see or a, a, this, that, or the other. So you're able to do a counter offer. And I know yeah. a lot of people, especially from the years of Discord, NFT, like sales, things of that nature, there's a, a bit of a negative, like, stigma on that. So I'm glad that you guys kind of are seeing that to a certain extent going, yeah, let's get this out in the open, get it on the website and also just remove that barrier. Cause I'm sure if you want to give a counter offer now, you probably have to scroll to the bottom of the page, go to the discord, get in there, get verified, go to the certain place, post it, hope the other person sees it. Cause there's no notification to them about it. Whereas exactly. I imagine it can notify them via an email. Hey, somebody's giving you a counter offer and you're like, Oh, so you get that much easier communication. Exactly. And, and you spoke a little bit about determining the value of the NFT and how it's one-on-one -on -one and how it's difficult. But um, something that we were quite surprised about and we didn't really expect is, of course, there are going to be people who try to take advantage of systems. And because of the fact that it's peer-to-peer, um, -peer, it, we don't have control over the listings. We can't look at a listing and be like, oh, well, that's a horrible deal. Let's just take it off. Like, it's not within our jurisdiction to do that. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of surprised and fascinated by how the amount of people who are saying, take these loans off. They're, they're bad. They're going to scam the lenders if anyone takes them. And um, they were quite dissatisfied with it. And of course, it would be very centralized to just delist listings that we didn't approve of because that's just our approval, right? But so our solution to that was we are developing an algorithm that first determines the relative value of the NFT. And then how does that work? For, it analyzes two things. First, um, the floor of its most rare trait. It's a good way to measure, but that's not really solid enough. It also takes into account volume of the project as well as the price of other listings that are near it in rarity. And with that, we're able to generate a value for NFT that's a little bit more specific than just throwing the floor, right? Because yeah. you can have the floor, but if a space lot has a sword and bull horns, then it's definitely not floor at all, right? So with that value, we are going to be able to sort the listings by how over collateralized they are. So what if anyone who's listening and you don't know what over collateralized is, it's asking lenders will never give you money for exactly the amount the collateral is worth. That's called selling your asset. Lenders always have to have equity in what what they're receiving as collateral. So if you have something that is worth um, like a thousand ADA, then typically your LTV, your loan to value ratio um, is not more than 60, 70% because that allows the lender in case after the loan period is over and the price of the NFT fluctuates, they have to have that buffer, right? So yes. with this algorithm and this value, we're able to sort all the listings by how over collateralized they are. So the best listings will be at the top and then ones that are quite dangerous that we don't recommend are on the bottom. So that was our solution to not necessarily be centralized and to delist listings that we thought were inappropriate, but to simply suggest listings that are better.
Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of it is going to require just education because people see a new DeFi and a lot of people, I wouldn't even call it really DeFi, but this lending platform and they'll not realize, okay, it's a collateralized lending platform, which means you can look at, for example, and we'll get into more detail on this, like, for example, with what are the fees for lending pond, et cetera. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But if I have, let's say a space, bud, and I go, I want 10% or I'll pro provide for a loan that I want 500 ADA for, and I'll give 10% after a month. So at the end of the month, I'll have to pay 550 ADA back into the smart contract in order to receive my NFT back. That's the whole idea. It's collateralized. So some people, mm -hmm. if they say, well, I'm being scammed, it's like, well, when you went into this loan, you said, I'm willing to give this. And best case scenario, I get, they get their NFT back. I get my money plus the interest. Worst case mm -hmm. scenario, they skip town. They don't pay the loan back. And again, it's collateralized with what? Hopefully something that is worth, if I sell it, enough to get back, not hopefully to incentivize the loan, my principal plus more than the interest I was expecting. That way yeah. it incentivizes that user that took the loan to pay the loan back. Now, if somebody is just wanting to sell off their Pavia land and they're like, I know Pavias are worth a thousand. I will want to take out a loan for a thousand ADA and they can pull whatever percentage because they have no intention of paying it back. Exactly. Then you have to know, okay, if I'm giving this loan to this individual, either Pavia land needs to go up in price before they'll pay me back or I'm buying the land in essence, or I'm buying that NFT. I think it's a lot of education on that side because it's not scamming. There's there's no scamming on this. It's here is a contract, like a smart contract you're entering into. You should really know what's going on. It's the same when I see people who go into um, decentralized exchanges. They're like, why do I have less ADA than I had before? It's like, that's called impermeable loss. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's something that you need to know what you're doing before you go into it or you risk like not you won't know what's happening. That's part of the problem. Yeah. So no, no, I know exactly what you mean. But to really quickly continue on, um, what are the fees? So if I we're working on a project called Flooftopia, and let's say people mint or get floofs and they want to put them on your platform to take out a loan, to use them to collateralize a loan, what like fees are we expecting um, when they put together, for example, the percentage I see at the bottom of some of the listings? Is that APY? Is that over how much on top of the principal over that time? How does that work exactly? Yeah, so I'll, I'll explain all of that. So first, I'll explain the minimum, just the parameters around loans. So loans can be two days, one week, um, two, three, four, five weeks. So we allow up to um, a month and one week in the duration of a loan. The minimum loan value is 70 ADA, which means that if you're collateralizing we typically only accept projects that have a floor of 100 ADA or higher just to make sure that there's um, value and stability in that. For the fees of the platform, initially it was one, it was 2% to the borrower, 2% to the lender, excuse me, and the borrower didn't pay fees. But then it was pretty, the majority of the people using the platform were pretty dissatisfied with that. We go, it's totally unacceptable for the lender to be paying. It's only that 
the lenders exist, that any loans happen, it should be all on the borrower. And the borrowers are going, no, it's only because of our listings that you guys make any interest at all. So there's that little battle. But eventually everyone was satisfied. We delivered this fairly quickly in just three days after the initial complaint started, in which now the current fees are 1% to the borrower, 1% to the lender. So I'll explain how the fees work. If someone is asking for a 10,000 ADA loan, the borrower, the lender who sends the um, who sends the ADA initially will send um, 1,010 ADA, right? So if the, if the loan is 1,000, then they're, se- they're sending 1,000 plus 1% as the platform fee. And then the smart contract keeps the 1% and then distributes the 10,000 back to the lender. And the lender has to pay back interest, whatever the interest is, plus an additional 1% fee as the platform as the platform fee. So it's 1% on both sides. And then as for the interest rate, um, it's not an APY, it's interest rate over the duration of the loan. So if it's five weeks and you're paying 6% of your principal, once the five weeks is completed, you can pay back your loan anytime you want. Typically people give themselves, ask for a longer loan just to have that buffer. But I've known people who've taken out five week loans and paid back in three days after minting a project, for example. Yeah. And it's interesting that they would say that's unfair, but it. I would almost argue that the 2% on the lender is a good model because, for example, if if the person who's taking out the loan, unless it's as soon as the loan is given, 1% is taken out, then I could see that like, that's fair enough. But if for the 2%, then it goes, okay, I'm already having to make sure that any loan that is asking for has to at minimum be 2%. And then I have to pick really good deals or I could risk losing something. So then it almost requires, oh, if you want to give out a loan, like you're going to have to make sure that you're giving out halfway decent deals that someone would take. So I could see a, an argument for either. But I, I do also my first initiative when you were saying, well, we're trying to see how to bounce that out. I'm like, OK, one in one. Like that seems like a really quite obvious answer right there. So. And I know the fees, are the fees used for the upkeep of the platform? Are they used for, for example, putting into a treasury for future development? I think I saw that you guys might have a token. Is it used to collateralize that token? Yeah, so those are good questions. We actually had a debate about whether we should have a token or not. Um, It's currently still being discussed. We're not 100% sure as to, because personally, in my opinion, I'm... I have a strong opinion about tokens. And right now, my belief, and I believe that um, there's a difference between protocol tokens and NFT related tokens. And I think that they need to have utility. So tokens are great for projects because they can create a project ecosystem. They're great for metaverse because you can create um, also a metaverse ecosystem. But if you're creating a protocol that is based on NFTs like us, and basically the only actual significance of your token is in governance, it's... Cardano does not have the infrastructure to enforce token governance. So for example, if someone, if everyone votes for their tokens to um, vote for plan B instead of plan A, there's no actual enforcement through Cardano infrastructure that plan B has to be chosen. So I believe that until then, tokens aren't necessarily the best option. I think that we're exploring more ways that we can allow a token to be to mitigate the costs for users. And that could be a benefit, but I think we have to explore that a little more because we haven't figured out how to do that yet. But um, for the fees that we receive, 
it's mainly for the upkeep and development of the platform. Um, over 75% of that goes to just creating V2 and to the majority of the fees go to maintain to developing V2 as well as upkeeping server costs and maintaining the servers. And then around 25% goes to the team. Okay. And I know, I know what you're, you mean with the tokens, because for example, I've seen some projects that are like, we're going to have a token. And I'm like, what's your use case? And they're like, yeah. we don't have one. And I'm like, okay, so it's a funding mechanism that you have planned no utility for. Like, okay, fair enough. I see the, your use case, like the buyer doesn't have any use case. Exactly. And which is why, like, if we ever do a token, we're going to like, that's the first thing is because I've seen, again, some projects that just pump them out. I've also seen other projects where I'm like, why don't you have a token? Like there's <laughs> like eight things I can think of right off the top of my head that are use cases for this outside of like governance, for example, it can be to make your protocol very in, like important to go to, or it could be, there's just so many use cases I see for some. And then some I'm like, you don't need that. In the same way, some people are like, we're going to do land. And I'm like, you were making a blackjack game. Why do you need land? Like, this doesn't make sense. So no, no, yeah. I get exactly what you mean. Yeah. So as, as long as I think that we just fit, we believe that the more content the user base is, that the more successful the project would be. As long as you are dealing with suggestions and you're implementing them, then you're going to have a successful protocol. Oh, yeah. And one thing I did want to just clarify real quick. So let's say I have a space, but I put it, I want a loan of a thousand ADA and I put it for, I've seen loans from 2% up to 18%. So let's say I stick with a solid 10%. Does that mean in essence, I will be expected to pay the 1000 loan plus the 10%. So a hundred within, let's say I set it for uh, four weeks. So after within that four weeks, I have to pay back that 1,100, right? Yeah. So it's, and then if you want to count the platform fee, you're actually paying an additional 1% on okay. the principal. So like if you really want to be like nitpicky as to how so much it'd be like at. 11 additional. So it'd be actually 1111. Yeah, exactly. So you're paying 1,110 ADA. So like, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it'd be 10, 1% of the thousand, not 1% of the 1,100. Yeah, that, no, it's 1% 1, 1 of the of the principal. We're not going to double interest. Okay, fair enough. It would be in that case for such a large loan, it'd be at one extra ADA, but that yeah. could be a lot maybe in the future. So Exactly. So I get what you mean. Okay, I just want to make sure I had the numbers right so that users could get that too. And I guess for NFT projects, like again, as I said, we're working on one called Fluftopia. If we wanted to get to where our users or our owners of our NFTs could be on there outside of, let's say, having a floor price of 100 ADA, what would be the process by which to try and get ours verified on your platform? Yeah, so our process is pretty simple. Um, it's either we reach out to you or you reach out to us. And it's been around 50-50. So initially when we first launched it, when we first launched Lending Pond, we had around 35 projects as verified collateral. And we thought, okay, that's great. It's going to be the majority of it. And no, we were wrong. Within two weeks, we're, we had an, an additional 25 projects added because people were like, please include this project, this project, this one, and this one. And then we had projects DMing us. We're like, hey, can you please include us as verified collateral? And we were like, oh my gosh, we forgot um, BCRC Rocket Parts. So like, there, it's, it's a really simple process. As long as 
it doesn't look like your project's going to rug or a project's going to rug and there's stability in the project, there's volume in the project, then it's very easy to add it as verified collateral. Awesome. So that was, again, that was one of my big questions because I know of the people that listen to the Cardano combo, you're going to have the users who are going to use your platform. You've got just ADA holders in general who want to know what's going on and being built. You're going to have NFT builders that are going, that sounds like something I want to get in on. How do I do that? So of course, I always have to ask that question. Yeah, sounds good. No problem. So what are, so we've talked about the use cases, for example, for the loans, but what are some of the most interesting NFTs that you've seen collateralized or what are some of the largest loans you've seen facilitated through your platform? That's a good question. Um, I think actually the largest loan that was conducted was actually conducted today as in well, not that long ago. Um, I'm just confirming right now, but um, it looks like it's going to be, I think I'll give it right now. Here we go. Um, we had a, a space bud with um, a gun. It's like a little, it's one of those alien robot ones and it was 9,000 ADA loan. Cool. So that, that was a big one. As for interesting um, loans, I I think I didn't expect um, frescoes to be loaned, but there was a loan. Oh, actually, I take that back. Most interesting loan, definitely Ada Handles. We Ada Handles was like, what? we were interested in having people <laughs> take out loans on Ada Handles. And we were like, uh, okay. And then, then we thought about like how Clay purchased the Clay Ada Handle for an exorbitant amount of money. So we're like, okay, we'll include it. Sure. And we had, I think, two or three loans on ADA handles that were more than 100 ADA, like 250 ADA. And I think that's definitely the most interesting. So yeah, to summarize, ADA handles, definitely the weirdest ones to do loans on. But hey, peer-to-peer, do what you want. Largest loan, um, 9,000 ADA on a space bud today. Oh, wow. And again, that's really interesting on both aspects. And I get what you mean with the ADA handles. I know like similar to why people will buy domains and try to like use them as investment vehicles. Like, oh, if I buy Kellogg's.org or Kellogg's.com or something, I don't know if that's already taken, but like if I buy this, then maybe I can sell the rights to somebody for a couple thousand and make money. Like, and people are yeah, doing similar. Domainers. That's their job. They just go around and buy when a project I mean, it happened to us. We were so stupid. We we came out with Lending Pond. We did a um a podcast with um the Ape Society on an AMA on Twitter, and within fifteen seconds, someone had bought the Lending Pond Ada handle, and <laughs> Ada handled themselves DMs us. We're like, "Is this you?" And we're like, "Ah, yeah." So then it's like ours is like Lending dot Pond now or something. But there's totally people who just buy it. There are domainers who attempt to buy something that someone in the future would want. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting why somebody would lend it. Like, it that just seems weird. I I, I mean, crypto can be weird. the weirdest one. So I gave <laughs> yeah. it the weirdest <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but of course, uh, one of the few questions I w- have left that I really want to ask is, I see that you guys have NAMI wallet integration, CC vault or eternal integration. Do you guys have plans in the future, for example, for additional integrations like Flint wallet or Typhon wallet? Yeah. So we were, the thing is when we, when we include new wallets, we want to make sure that they're working properly and that you can integrate easily. And typically that requires a testnet phase. Um, 
whether it's on mainnet or testnet, just to test the wallet to make sure that it's integrated correctly. So those wallets will be included on V2. And right now we're in this careful balance of providing utility to V1 to make sure that it's working and that people are having like a, a better experience. But we want, because V2 only needs to be rewritten because there will be changes directly to the smart contract. So theoretically, we could just import all the UI changes to V1, but we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that V2 is like this blow away thing where it's almost completely redesigned and it allows people to have this entirely new user experience. But I mean, we're adding the over collateralization um, ranking mechanism to V1. So we are adding important features, but the majority of those features which are present on V1 will be even easier to use on V2. Oh yeah, and there's, again, we've talked about V1, V2, there's a lot of room for growth. There's so many things I can even just think of the top of my head, for example, seeing total day, daily volume for like this NFT type. Um, what is the floor, what is, the highest lowest within the last 24 hours within the last month so that someone who's taking out a loan can have all that info right there. So they don't have to do the, like go to an outside. So there's so many things that can be done. And I, I can't wait to see that. Um, Especially with land. I just like, can someone please tell me whether it's a large, medium or small? Like, I don't want to copy the serial code, go to CNFT tools, wait for the page to load. I'm like, okay, it's a small, like, cause they all look the same, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, those are features we're including. So in V2, it's in a, you're going to have um, floor price. Um, we're going to have our relative ranking um, slash like worth, which isn't going to be always floor price. And then um, also going to have the the loan to value. So if it's properly over collateralized or not, but yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited. Oh, so am I. I know when it comes to, and again, we talked a bit before, even like weeks ago, some of the, Getting the first iteration of the website, often it's like, okay, it's functional. It's not the greatest thing in the world. And then as you get to the next iteration, you're like, yeah, this is so much better. You're like, how did we even exactly. function with the first one? So like, That's what I felt about the, our first iteration when yeah. we had no UI team. I was like, oh, like this is this is great. I'm so proud of my website. And then we had a branding team and UI team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, our first iteration was horrible. Yeah. And now I'm looking at our second iteration for V2. I'm like, oh my gosh, first iteration is an absolute UI disaster. So as long as it keeps getting better, that's that's all that matters, I feel. Oh, same. And it's, for example, it's similar with anything. For example, when I first started doing podcasts and videos on the Cardano Convo, I was also like, man, the, when I look at my old videos, I'm like, oh, and I mean, yeah. you can look at like Amazon or Google when they started out and you're like, or Netflix, holy cow, Netflix looks like Craigslist. It was so yeah. bad looking. And now you're like, okay, it's a lot more streamlined. Like, and that's just yeah. part, part of the yeah. growing pains. And I really look forward to seeing how Lending Pond grows through these iterations. So I guess we did talk a little bit, bit about, but so what is next for Lending Pond? I know you talked about having it to where you could collateralize tokens, where we've talked a lot about that, but is there anything we haven't talked about that you're aiming for? Um, I don't think so. Not too much. Um, I'm currently pulling up the Lending Pond V2 um, spec sheet just to see if I miss anything. So I can go down the list. We're going to be creating a new UI. We're going to have um, filters and so you're going to be able to search for a specific project and then filter by either price or filter by interest. And it's going to just make the user experience a lot easier. Um, also going to have additional asset 
data. So we're going to have floor price and you're actually going to be able to look into the loan history of a project or a specific NFT or a specific user account. Um, when mobile wallets come out, which we do think is going to be quite soon within the next two months, um, it's going to have mobile wallet support and it's going to be mobile friendly. Currently, Lending Pond isn't mobile friendly because you have to be on your desktop to conduct a loan anyway, but that's definitely going to be added um, as well as multiple currency supports. So that's what I was talking about. You can have, um, you can collateralize either um, NFTs or you can do tokens. You can receive ADA, you can receive stable coins. And in the future, when it's fully cross chain, you can receive other cr- cryptocurrencies as well. Um, lastly, the smart contract updates. The main one is going to be counter offers and bundles. So that's what we're looking forward to. And we're debating as to whether it would be efficient to include lending. I mean, not, not lending, renting NFTs, especially when play to earn games start to gain traction. It might be profitable for people instead to buy the NFT outright. If they, if the price of these NFTs really start to rise, it might be more profitable for them to lend and to um, use NFTs to get that play to earn aspect. But that's something we're exploring. That's something I was thinking about. Uh, one NFT I can think about, and it's one I actually have, is the purple Wi-Fi NFT, which has, for example, you can put it into their vault and stake it in the vault for, for example, 30, 60, however many days. And then you get a certain amount of token. So maybe you go, hey, they're renting out this purple Wi-Fi NFT for 10 ADA because let's say they don't want to stake it themselves. And I go, well, they're wanting to do it for five weeks. And this vault I have to stake in only takes 30 days. I think I can get more than 10 ADAs worth of value from this token over here. So instead of selling my token to get it, maybe I'm going, hey, I can get 12 ADA in my opinions worth for renting this for 10. So that's something I thought about. And I was like, but that's a lot of how are we going to force them to bring it back is the thing I was worried about. Yeah, the, there, there is going to be there. <laughs> that, that's the issue that we're thinking about. It's definitely possible that what's probably going to be implemented is a boomerang script. So it's in there. You can interact with it. It's not going to leave. And it, once the time is over, it just jumps. So um, that's what we're looking at. We're trying to think of alternate models, perhaps like a multi-sig wallet. So you can't really take it out unless the other um, user signs it. So um, there's also that, but we're, we're thinking about different solutions to that. But yeah, that was initially the point of Lending Pond is staking is great, especially on ADA, but everyone knows it's not going to last forever and the rewards aren't going to be as great as they were before. There, it's impossible for there just to be 5% rewards, 5% APY for um, year after year forever. So the entire point of Lending Pond is that we don't pay APY in a pawn token, we pay an interest, we pay, your interest is paid in ADA. So with that, if you were continuously doing loan after loan, you could actually, um, we have users that are getting over 200% APY on their ADA, which is not paid back in something else. Because like when you hear 200% APY, I think, okay, I stick my Pavia tokens in the beginning and they gave me 200% APY. This is 200% APY on ADA. It's not like there's no other token in the mix. So that was the whole point to be like, it's an alternate method to staking. And either the user defaults and you can sell an NFT for much more than you bought it for, or you can stake and get APY that you wouldn't be able to get in a traditional staking mechanism. That's really interesting because I know exactly what you mean. A lot of people, anytime you hear in crypto, I've got 2,000% APY, I've got 200, I've got 40 APY. You're like, okay, you're probably using a decentralized exchange and you're having to incur impermanent loss 
and then get LP tokens. Then you have to stake those in order to get more of this token. And then that's where you get your APY. And having something as simple as and innate to humans as loans to go, here, I give you this in exchange. If you don't come back, I get this. And if you do come back, I get this. Like, so it's very, very simple. And yeah. I could see how if you could find the right projects, you're like, you know, NFTs well enough. You go in and go, OK, similar to like if you knew cars well enough and you were giving out loans, you'd be like, oh, this hot rod, I could get 20,000 for if I had to sell it right now. I'll give you a loan for 10,000. And then if yeah. they don't ever come back, I just made 10,000. That's a 200 or 100% APY okay. on my. So, yeah, I can see how people could do that. So that's excellent to see that. Um, Again, I, I could talk to you for hours, but and because this has just been so informative and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. No but problem. Before, happy to be here. Oh, no problem. And before we go or before you go, um, how can listeners get involved with what you're doing or how can we support you and your team? Yeah. So thanks for that. That's a great question. The easiest way is follow us on Twitter and join our Discord. And that's really all you can do to help. And it goes a long way. Having an additional Twitter follower gives us a little bit more credibility, a little more user base to communicate with. And our Discord is growing quite rapidly. Um, our Discord membership um, 2x in the past um, three weeks. So that's been wow. great. Members are coming in. Um, and yeah, that's what you could do to support. And honestly, if, if you want to go a little bit further and you have opinions, please share suggestions. That's really helping us. And it's it's not FUD. It's it's really benefiting the project because we're allowing, uh, you're you're allowing us the opportunity to strengthen our user base and to strengthen our community. Yeah. So in essence, bring criticism, bring critiquing, bring something constructive. Because yeah. for example, there's a difference. Really between, yeah. There's something different between complaining, just going, "Oh, the platform's crap." It's like I can't do anything with that. If you say it's crap, I don't like this. Yeah. That's that's constructive at least like maybe it's a bit rude but it's constructive at least like there's totally. something there so again i will have all the links down in the description i'll have their website their discord their twitter i'd recommend checking that out again it's a really interesting platform it's the first i believe on cardano for lending for nfts again i've been there's old videos i've made where i've been looking for who is going to be the first one and it looks like again lending pond we got evan here they've done it so again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I, I've been, it's a blast. I've had a great time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, then make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure to check out our new podcast website on crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and are looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That's Loops, L-O-O-P-S. And lastly, I want to let our community know about an NFT game slash project that we are working on. The game is called Flooftopia, and more details can be found at flooftopia.org or down in the description below. We have a Discord server and other socials, so make sure to check out our website to learn more. 
Again, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.